This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. From MPB Think Radio, this is Money Talks. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Nancy Lotter-Janderson, president of New Perspectives, and Ryder Taft, portfolio manager at New Perspectives. They're both chartered financial analysts. Ryder holds the Certificate in Investment Performance Measurement from the CFA Institute. This show isn't really intended to teach kids about money, but today we'll try to help you teach your kids and grandkids about money. We'll discuss what they need to know at various ages, and also we'll look for your money questions. Contact us by email. The address is money at mpbonline.org. So good morning. Uh, let's start with Ryder for a change this time. Uh, Ryder, what financial news is on your mind? Oh, what a treat, Kevin. Uh, so the big word that I saw splashed across the front page of the Wall Street Journal yesterday was bear market. Uh, when the market finally down uh, 20%, just over 20% at some point yesterday from its highs in the very beginning of the year. And again, I've kind of noted it's, it's just so unusual that this decline started on day one. Uh, the, the market rose a lot last year. We did have some pretty serious pullbacks that we all forgotten about. But from day one or day January 2nd, I think, the market just started declining. So we're kind of back to where we were at the beginning of last year. If you've been investing for only 18 months in the S&P 500, you're just kind of back where you started, and you hate to see it. But if you've been invested for much longer, then you've still seen good growth. Uh, you, last year was fantastic. We all loved it. We've given all that up so far this year. And then these words we use, bear market, correction, people always ask, oh, is this a bear market? Is the next bear market coming? Is this a correction? Is When is the next correction coming. These are just words we use to describe 10% down or 20% down. So they, they don't really have any specific meaning. It's just we, we, we're really attracted to these nice round numbers. So we, so we feel like sticking a word on it. So that's, that's what people are talking about right now. Well, and they're also talking about inflation, and inflation came in hotter than we expected. Mm -hmm. Friday number is 8.6%, and certainly we all feel that. Everybody is talking about gas prices. You know, that's the topic of the day. Um, At the same time, I don't see a lot of people slowing down. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of fueling price increases as well. And Ryder, in the last uh, few weeks, we talked a little bit about valuations mm-hmm. and P.E. ratios. And those P.E. ratios or values of company stocks have dropped to mm-hmm. the point that they're below uh, what we normally see, somewhere below 17 times, mm-hmm. which looks to us like these are good buys. Yeah, um, it's definitely if we starting can tamp down inflation. Definitely starting to represent value, and and that's a good point about you haven't seen people pulling back when they're filling yeah. up their tanks because the the real big concern about inflation is that prices get so high that people simply stop and and, and people stop whatever economic activity they're doing. They stop buying things, uh, and and that's not happening yet uh, we need a no, we need a, a little, little bit back little. but um but but that's uh, outside of outside of the major things, I believe homes and autos we've talked about mm-hmm. the, the, it's it's people are still buying the same amount of gas 
Yeah, and we hear it from our clients. They're just excited to be out and traveling and spending money mm-hmm. and uh, doing all kinds of things. And uh, so demand is very high, and companies are flush with cash. They're making money. Their earnings are good. We just heard um, news this morning about dividend increases. So um, we're kind of looking at this and thinking, okay, if, if we see some inflation being tamped down, if it slows down a little bit, then this means the prices that we see right now are pretty good. This is Money Talks. Our webpage where you can listen and read information that we discuss is uh, moneytalks.mpbonline.org. Our experts from New Perspectives have their webpage as well. It's newper.com. So that's N-E-W. P-E-R.com. Under their Stay Connected tab, they've blog posts. Sometimes Nancy and Ryder blog about what they discuss on this show. Sometimes uh, we do a show about what they blogged about. So, Nancy, the Money As You Grow image from New Perspectives blog is wonderful with its simplicity yet abundant knowledge. If you would, tell us where that came from. Well, the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau is a government agency, and that was created after the financial crisis of 2008. Uh, I believe that was in the Dodd-Frank bill in 2010. And the idea behind that is that we need to be better at Uh, educating our citizens about financial management. And so they offer all kinds of information, written information, brochures, videos about things like buying houses, uh, emergencies, auto loans, uh, college, planning for retirement. You can also go to the Federal Reserve because they have an educational arm as well. So you look at their website all kinds of great videos, information out there so you can learn. Know that the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, CFPB, sometimes I get my letters mixed up there, um, is also the place you would go if you have some concerns about a lender that you've been dealing with or some financial issue that you think, you know, maybe you've been scammed or something happened, then they can help you there. So, Ryder, we mentioned uh, blog posts. What other information does the New Perspectives website have? Yeah, so we do have a resource section. We try to keep it up to date with current tax information, so where the tax brackets uh, are, uh, how much you can put in your retirement account, so 401K, simple IRAs, regular IRAs, and kind of some notes about qualifying for those. Just intended to be kind of a quick reference, especially geared towards folks looking to save and invest. Those sort of references are there. Uh, by the way, Nancy, uh, good to know uh, you're in good hands while you're gone. Ryder was telling me he's running the office in your absence, so uh, things things are going he's along doing smoothly. Great. Yeah, I'm letting him take all the pressure when this bear market's in fact <laughs> happening. So Nancy's coming back when the market improves. I guess is that it? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, and so one thing I just want to say about these resources, Nancy also mentioned the Federal Reserve has educational resources. Um, the The federal government and even state governments and fairly large national organizations have really good information here. And and I know sometimes it's not as exciting as you know, the, the latest fire blogger or someone you find on TikTok or Twitter uh, who very rarely have really good information or very rarely have information that's really relevant to you. But the reason resources you can find with the CFPB, the resources you can find with the Federal Reserve, uh, they, they're very, they're meant to be very broadly applicable. So it is nice when we get such a, such a like engaging and concise resource like the one that we're discussing today. 
of course, Meredith in our office is pushing us to head into the TikTok world <laughs> and uh, do some Nancy, Nancy, I think that was there. I think that was you that wanted to do it. Do a oh, TikTok account. I think that was you. Now, yeah. see, that's very interesting because Nancy, I was about to suggest the same thing that you and Ryder could, you know, have a TikTok account, get on there and do those the dances that they do, and maybe yeah. wave some cash around. I, I think you would be a viral hit. Yeah, back now. Do the money dance. <laughs> I don't know about that, Kevin. <laughs> hey, you know, why I, not? I've I've told Nancy that she is empowered to pursue that if she wishes. Uh, I haven't really seen a lot come out of that though. So not yet. <laughs> All right. So we're waiting for the Nooper TikTok account with bated yeah. breath. <laughs> yeah, to, yeah. Maybe, maybe keep breathing just the normal the normal way. If you have a question for our experts, send an email to money at mpbonline.org. Today we're talking about 20 things kids need to know to live financially smart lives. So where can you see this age-appropriate image? We'll tell you next. You're listening to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. presented on Money Talks is meant to provide general information about the topics discussed and is not necessarily the opinion of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. The information presented does not create any type of relationship between the hosts and guests and the listening audience. Please consult a financial advisor or any other qualified professional for guidance about your personal finance questions. Think of MPB. Need to get rid of your ride? Donate it by calling 877-MPB, the number four car. Need to have some work done on your truck? Listen to AutoCorrect Thursdays at 10, Saturdays at 11. An MPB license plate reminds you that MPB is with you wherever you go. Go to your county office and ask for an MPB car tag. MPB and cars, better together. What is chalkboard chat? It's an MPB education podcast. It's a variety show providing information and resources for teachers, students, parents, guardians, and everyday people on various topics. It's learning something new with every publication. Chalkboard Chat. Find the podcast or listen from chalkboardchat.mpbonline.org. You're listening to Money Talks. Our website, moneytalks.mpbonline.org, is one way to hear past Money Talks broadcasts. You can also download the MPB Public Media app and listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand to all the local MPB Think Radio programs. 
Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Nancy Lotridge-Anderson, President of New Perspectives and Ryder Taft Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives. Today we're going to be going through a list of 20 things that kids need to know to live financially smart lives, and it's originally from the website moneyasyougrow.org, which as we mentioned is part of the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau's website. Before we dig into that, though, we do have a caller on the line, so we say good morning to Mike from Hernando. Go ahead, Mike, you're on the air with us. Good morning. A question, please. I've got a young friend, uh, 18, 19 years old, who's interested in bitcoins. Is that a wise investment? It just sounds flaky to me. I know it, you hear about it a lot. And I don't know anything about it, but it just doesn't sound realistic. Would that be something oh interesting for him to get into? <sighs> Take it away. Um, I, I, I do appreciate your skepticism. So Bitcoin yeah. just kind of backing out a little bit is what's now kind of we talk about a class of cryptocurrencies. It's a type of cryptographically uh, generated, cryptographically signed token. So they're unique and tradable um, in a way. So. Bitcoin was one of the first ones to be developed, and essentially computers can generate it. Uh, people can trade it back and forth, and folks trade it for money. It started out probably 10 years ago as pennies, and I believe last year it hit fifty or $60,000. So it looks like an absolutely tremendous gain, uh, but now it is down uh, to about 22000 right now, and so that's it's kind of, you see, it can be incredibly volatile. Um, right now, there aren't a ton of uses for it that you can't just, you know, like buying things online. You can just use your credit card or PayPal, transferring money. We have a lot. It is very effective at transferring money across uh, international borders, but that's really the only real solid use case so far. It's People pitch it as the future of money, but we just have not seen that yet. And I know it's very okay. tempting for young people to get into this, uh, but I would instead encourage him to look for a company that he knows the company, he uses their products, knows their products, and just buy a few shares of that. If he's still insistent okay. on dipping a toe into the crypto area, you know, maybe the best lesson is if he does a little bit and loses. Well, I got you. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. I mean, it is always exciting. It has had great gains in many years, and it's been very popular to talk about. And whenever you see that, that that's exciting, and that's very interesting. And maybe in the future, there will be that will be some of the money that more people use. We just don't see that yet, so it is, it's pure speculation right now. Well, I appreciate that because it sounds kind of flaky to me. Yeah, and speculation, remember, is just another word for gambling. And and, and I will say it's one true. one risk in the crypto world that has cropped up, it, it, you know, it's cropped up throughout the, the history of, of the crypto economy, but in the past few days, some of the reasonably larger crypto exchanges or services have, have, have been having trouble because the crypto has fallen so quickly and they're maybe having trouble processing payments, processing prices, and so that's led to some delays there. And that's the sort of thing, because it's still really new and, and unregulated, they don't have maybe a uniform set of rules to follow. 
while they don't have the pressure of government oversight and fines, et cetera, keeping them in line and, and ensuring a level of service that even though, look, we all, everybody will complain about their bank all of the time, especially if you bank with Wells Fargo, but they do have, they are held to a certain standard and you do have certain recourse when things go wrong. And that's just, that's just not, it's not a fully developed thing in the crypto world yet. A lot of people are working on that, but it's not fully developed. Tell me this. If he gets into it, is it easy to get out of it? I'm afraid of him losing a, a lot of money. Uh, it could be, depending on how he gets into it. There are many crypto exchanges which basically function as a broker and a custodian and a bank all in one. And so you can open up an account. For instance, Coinbase is a large publicly traded uh, exchange there. Another popular one, I believe, is Gemini. And there's um, there's FTX or, or big ones in the U.S., I believe. It, uh, FTX is available here. And you can open up an account there. You can fund it from your bank. You can fund it from PayPal. Uh, some may accept a credit card payment to fund it. And you can buy and sell Bitcoin or any of the other cryptocurrencies. Ethereum is a very popular one. There are some which try to hold a dollar. But you can also sell it just as easily. But like I was saying, some of those services right now, they're just having some trouble. They're just not as developed. So the customer service and the ability to get your money out might be a little harder even though it shouldn't be and mike i would well, thank you guys well i would say with something like this this is what i would call alternative investing and usually if i have somebody that wants to go in that direction i will tell them to yeah. limit their investments to about 10 or 20 percent of their total so stick with oh, the, good advice. Normal, good advice. the other 80 or 90 percent and then just dip your toe over here and see what happens all right. Well, thank you, guys. I appreciate it. All right, Mike. Good to hear from you this morning. This is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. My thought is I saw an ad for, I guess, one of the cryptocurrency uh, companies, and it's a series of headlines that say, oh, the cryptocurrency crash is coming from this year. And then there's one, oh, crypto's crashing. And it goes back to, I don't know, the teens, the 2000 teens. And I guess the purpose was, A, this company's been here you know, since the beginning, and B, people get all excited about the crash of the cryptocurrency. And mm -hmm. I think... To look at it negatively, you think, do you really want to get involved in something which every couple of years looks like it's about to collapse anyway? Mm -hmm. So, uh, Well, just like people got excited about it rising on the way up, people get real excited about it cra uh, crashing on the way down, or even just a small decline people get really, really excited about. It. It's it's similar to stocks. People get really excited about, about declines, excited in a bad way. But, uh, yeah, that's been it's been a back-and-forth uh, attraction and, and frightening for the past several years. All right, today we're going to be talking about 20 things that kids need to know to live financially smart. What we'll do is take each age group, throw out a couple of uh, ideas, and then discuss them. So for kids age 3 through 5, uh, you need to know money. You need money to buy things. You earn money by working. You may have to wait before you can buy something you want. And there's a difference between things you want and things you need. Nancy, it's interesting. This is intended for kids age three to five, but I'm sure a lot of this stuff is going to be something that maybe we adults need to be reminded about occasionally yeah, as well. Definitely. Definitely. You know, economics is all about um, limited resources and unlimited wants. 
and you start with children with that because I, I love watching children in the store when the parents have said you can choose one thing from the candy counter and they have to stand in front of that and make a decision about that one thing um, I have a three-year-old granddaughter and recently we were up there staying with her and keeping her and I got her to help me make the bed and so that was a chore that she did and she spotted the coins on my husband's bedside table and I said okay you can have some coins because you helped me make the bed and immediately she took those and she wanted to put them in a piggy bank and so I think starting with a piggy bank with that age is a really good way to teach them about the money and you have to do it literally because they are very literal and that's hard for us when we're talking about cryptocurrency and and uh, credit cards and debit cards, and we don't carry much cash anymore. But it helps to use actual cash with children that age. So, so you did not pay her in Bitcoin. <laughs> I did not. Oh, okay. So it sounds like she's learning one of the most important lessons that is hard for us even as adults is is saving, setting some of that money that you've earned aside, saving that. Well, of course, she also saw um, an ad on television for a toy, and she said, um, "Can we go to Target and get that? And you get that for me?" Is what she said. Mm, she yeah. didn't want to. She didn't want to check the piggy bank for the uh, yeah. the current spendable balance there. She, she's also pretty good. Age three, she's already started to work a grandmother there, Nancy. So be careful. Oh, she knows the soft spot. Uh, one very good finance lesson is negotiation. <laughs> Can you get someone else to do it? We're talking about things that uh, kids need to know to live financially smart. So, Ryder, some thoughts on the uh, things that kids age 6 to 10 need to know. Another four. Uh, the first one is you need to make choices about how to spend your money. It's good to shop around and compare prices before you buy. It can be costly and dangerous to share information online. And uh, putting the money in a savings account will protect it and pay you interest. Number seven, not only financially speaking, mm -hmm. but a good one uh, in general to let kids know about, you know, don't be so free sharing information online absolutely all of these are very good um the it can be costly and dangerous to share information online eight kids age six to ten i got my first cell phone i was borrowing my mother's cell phone sometimes when i was a senior in high school i don't know what age kids get cell phones these days but i know it's earlier and earlier and so with that kind of with great power comes great responsibility you, you need to know how to protect your personal information how to avoid sharing too much personal information it's not even that oh i'm worried that my kid's going to take a picture of my credit card and make it their Facebook profile photo or something, although that would be horrendous. But there's so much information about you, about your habits, about your spending that you can you can give away and and again that's that's valuable to someone who you may not want to have it um all of these other things you have to make choices about how you spend your money and good to shop around take your kids to the grocery store and, and show them how you're comparing oh look we are deciding between two brands one i prefer this brand but this brand is cheaper or this brand is on sale so how do you make those trade-offs to save a couple dollars here and there how do you make bigger trade-offs how when do you say you know what this is just something we're not going to be able to afford so we're going to have to go a different route with that and then i did i had put a note next to putting money in a savings account to protect it and pay you interest i said well it might pay you interest uh it might not although we are finally seeing some banks uh with a few interest rates out there uh in measurable visible numbers it's been rare 
my savings account keeps sending me messages telling me they're increasing the uh, interest rate. Oh, is it going from point zero one to point zero two to point zero? Oh, come on. It's, it's happening, but it's, it's slow, but it's happening. Yes, yes. Now, the place we've seen, just because people always do ask, where can I get an interest rate these days? The places we have seen interest rates, Nancy is always a big fan of the online savings accounts. You can set up certificates of deposit there, those time deposits. And we're even seeing good deals. And when I say good deals, you know, 1% to 2% on some of the shorter-term ones. We, uh, in our business, we're looking at brokered CDs. That's CDs from around the country that, that banks just, they issue them they issue them to brokers because it's a lot easier than opening and doing a bunch of account paperwork. But we're seeing those in 2 to 3%, even as from in the 1% to 3-year range. So those are getting really attractive, uh, I believe. And they're uh, competing well with the local banks, mm-hmm. doing better than they Absolutely. are. Absolutely. Today we're talking about what kids need to know as they grow up about money. Our information is part of an education web page from the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. We'll remind you of that website next. You're listening to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. You can now listen to the wild, weird, and wonderful stories of Mississippi with Mile Marker. Slowly we started, you know, picking these turtles up and saving them. I'll stop traffic, grab one out of the road. And then our friends found out and our vet would call us. Join me as we hit the roads of Mississippi on Mile Marker. We are now a full-fledged, nonprofit turtle rescue. You can listen by going to mpbonline.org slash radio or by using your favorite podcasting app. Mile Marker, a Mississippi Roads podcast. Money Talks is MPB Think Radio's personal finance broadcast. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Nancy Lotter-Janderson, president of New Perspectives, and Ryder Tapp, portfolio manager at New Perspectives. They're both charter financial analysts. Ryder holds the Certificate in Investment Performance Measurement from the CFA Institute. Our information today originated from an official website of the United States government. It's consumerfinance.gov. So, Nancy, I need you to uh, settle a quick dispute. We were talking about interest rates and savings accounts, and I thought I had gotten something from American Express, which is the one I use, and I got a message saying that my uh, the uh, the annual percentage yield on my high yield savings account has increased to 0.75, and Ryder was giving me the psh, and I thought, well, you were just mentioning ones that were 0.0 something, and mine is 0.7, yeah. so that sounds pretty good to me. Well, it does sound pretty good. I, I have been telling people if you can find something around one percent, and you're close there, and you know for those small differences, you don't want to be just chasing yield everywhere and constantly moving your account. Um, but that's a pretty good offer. 
All right. Uh, today, in between your personal finance questions, uh, we're talking about 20 things that kids need to know to live financially smart lives. And it goes age group by age group. We have reached the 11 to 13 age group. The four things they need to know. You should save at least a dime for every dollar you receive. Entering personal information like a bank or credit card number online is risky because someone could steal it. The sooner you save, the faster your money can grow from compounding interest. And using a credit card is like taking out a loan. If you don't pay your bill in full every month, you'll be charged interest and owe more than you originally spent. It's interesting to me as we do this to see sort of how more complex these these uh, concepts are, Nancy, as, as children get older. Absolutely. And so 11 to 13, now they're hitting the teenage years. There are a lot of parents who are using online apps for allowances, you know, loading up an account with an allowance. So these younger people are then spending through that. So they need to take very good care of their information. They need to make sure they understand what they're doing. Um, In some cases, parents are handing off credit cards and uh, saying, okay, you can go order this. That's because the kids learned how to negotiate from a young age, and so they just (laughs) ask for the card now. It's like, I used to ask for a dollar. Now I ask for the plastic. But they need to understand when they put that information in and that some sites are not safe sites, you know, to look for the sites with that HTTPS with it, uh, to make sure there are sites that are of well-known names so that you can be comfortable putting that information in there. And um, even when you do it, when when you're careful, sometimes uh, you can find your ID is taken from you. So um, all of that goes into them learning how to manage their own money. They're not ready to have a credit card themselves. You know, later when you get into later high school years, certainly in the college years, they're going to need a credit card to then function. But right now they just need to learn what that is. Um, And this is a good time to really introduce them to the stock market and so that they can really learn what it means to be an owner of a stock, that that is – Uh, a share of a company and what that involves. And uh, Ryder has a great story. Why don't you tell your story, Ryder, about learning? (laughs) So my story is when I was was very young, I was was maybe eight or so, we would, in the summers, we would go visit my grandparents. And my grandmother would always pour us a, she would, I think she was probably splitting one Coca-Cola between four children in those little juice glasses. But we didn't have soft drinks at our house, so that was, that was, that was wild for us and my dad told me one day that my oldest sister owned shares of coca-cola and at the time you know, didn't understand went out played had an epiphany at some point that she owned the company she she didn't own just the the ice cold glass bottle that we loved she she owned the company that made that and made the decisions about that and i just thought that was the coolest thing and i was just i just loved that you could do that and that you could own companies and that you could understand them and you could get information on them, things like that. And, uh, Nancy, you know, the, when we talked to Mike, you gave some uh, advice that you've given before, which I think is very good, and that is if someone's inv- beginning to invest is to find a company they're familiar with. And, again, sort of like a writer story, he knew about Coke, he liked Coke, and so that would be an obvious one to invest in because you're sort of invested in that company already. Absolutely. Um, and I used to always tell my students, my college students, you know, they're the ones following trends. They see new companies come online. They see what's being used, the services, the products. 
Um, and if they just take the time to pay attention, because, you know, I don't keep up with as much of that as they do, and then back up to what company is doing that business and are they doing it well, that could be a winner for them. We're talking today about things that kids need to know to be financially smart at various uh, stages of their uh, development as they get older. All right, so we are on to 14 to 18, so the teenage years here. Some four things that those kids need to know. Uh, when comparing colleges, be sure to consider how much each school would cost you. You should avoid using credit cards to buy things you can't afford to pay for with cash. Your first paycheck may seem smaller than expected since money is taken out for taxes. And a great place to save and invest money you earn is a Roth IRA. So, Ryder, uh, a Roth IRA for a teenager? If they are working, if they have earned income, then yes, they may be eligible for a Roth IRA. Uh, so, the the rule is essentially you can put in $6,000 or up to what you earned, whichever is less. So, yes, if they have earned income, they can probably do a Roth IRA. Also, it's just an excellent idea because if they you know, have a summer job, earn a little bit of money, they are probably in a very low tax bracket. So, they're not going to be incurring a lot of tax on that, but they have such a long time to let that money grow. They have so long for that to compound tax-free and withdraw tax-free. Roth, adva- uh, Roth IRA really has its advantages when you have more time and when you're in a low tax bracket now. Those are the two conditions that make a Roth IRA ideal. If you have ever listened to one of our shows, you know I'm a big fan of those. A but couple- also know that, that they're still minors. That's correct. And so if you open a Roth IRA for a minor, you're going to have to have an adult on that account. Yes. Yeah, a responsible signer on that account. So uh, so that is an important note that you'll run into if you're trying to open it at a bank or a brokerage. And, and they can they can afford to, to be a little risky with that money. Don't just sit it in cash for them. Uh, but a lot of these other things, you know I'm a big fan of credit cards, but of course it's, it's, it's only a tool for paying for things. You still have to have the money. When you have cash, you see that dollar in your hand, you see that dollar leave your hand. Very easy. When you're working with a debit card, you, you're thinking, I know I have a dollar in my bank account. You swipe it. The dollar goes out of your bank account. A couple days later, you see it leave your bank account. The connection is still there. With a credit card, there's a, just a lot more time. There's a lot more, there's a lot more in the way of you seeing that dollar leave your hand. So it's important to remind, it's important to remember, any spending you do does take your money. It does take your money, regardless if it's going out of your hands today, tomorrow or next month, it is still money. These the, the plastic card is simply a tool. It is not it is not something that you can use to just spend as much as you want. Uh, number 15 about the paycheck uh, being smaller since the money's <laughs> taken out for taxes. Would that be a good time when your teenager oh, gets that's that? A, that's Go a ahead. That's a, yeah. cl- that's a classic. What is, who is, who is what? FICA? Yeah, what? Who is the, everyone, it's always, I, I remember that was my first question. Like, who is FICA? Like, what is, <laughs> what is this? Uh, and knowing that that takes care of Social Security, which having parents or grandparents who may be on Social Security, you maybe kind of understand some of that parents or grandparents who are on Medicare, you maybe understand some of those FICA taxes. And then, of course, just general taxes and and understanding that taxes are a part of things. The first time you go to a grocery store, you know that the, the, the sales tax is part of your bill. So that's how we pay for things as a society. We have a lot of different ways of doing it, and it's, it's not perfect, but that is just how we 
raise money to to spend together. And I think Ryder made a good point, Nancy, and that, that that's sort of like we were talked about buying stocks you're familiar with. But if you can ever relate any sort of personal finance lesson that you're trying to teach to the family, as as Ryder suggested, maybe um, a grandparent is on Social Security, and you can say, well, this is taken out. Mm-hmm. So you know, that, so whenever you can personalize it, I think it helps. Well, the other thing I always encourage parents, uh, remember you are setting an example. So the best thing you can do, the best way to teach your children about money, finances, is to be financially literate and to be reasonable yourself, to live within your means, to talk to them about that. And as they grow, you can reveal more and more of the family finances so that they can understand what it costs to live. Yeah. And and that's why you, you notice kind of going through some of these. Some of these are just kind of repeated through the ages. They just get more complex. And then you get uh, more nuanced as, as children are able to tackle that. And so, for instance, this one, when comparing colleges, be sure to consider how much each school will cost you. Great resource for that. U.S. News puts out the, the big college report every year. They not only have that sticker price of the college, but they also have what the, the average folks are actually paying, So, because a lot of people have grants or scholarships. So what's realistic there? Every college will also have a very detailed break down of their total cost of college, which is really uh, kind of a maximal number, and it does include things like uh, how much does room and board cost, how much could you expect to pay for transportation, books, computers, etc. So those are very important, and this is all just a part of comparison shopping. Are there two colleges that you love equally that you think will be both great for you, but one is just going to be a lot more affordable? That you know, think about think about that trade off there between the cost and what you're getting. And and sometimes it is worth paying more for something. Sometimes it just isn't. Uh, Nancy, another tip that you've given on on previous shows when we talk about, you know, kids and money is the idea, and you mentioned there, to let them sort of peek in on family finances. So at at teenage years, I guess this would be the time where they could begin to understand what's going on, and and maybe it's a good idea to give them a look into the family budget or whatever. Right, and and certainly you don't want to start with elementary kids talking to them about all of your bills. Here's my bank statement, son. Can you make my checkbook balance? (laughs) Um, But as they get older and... And they become aware of what they want and realize, you know, it's time for a car, uh, it's time to prepare for college, all of those things, then you need to talk to them about the limits of your own family's resources. And, um, and you know, you don't have to reveal everything, but you can talk to them about how much it takes to pay the mortgage, or you can point out, here we got the electric bill. This is what it cost, and this is the reason I want you to turn the lights off, please. Um, or, or don't take a two-hour shower. Look at my water bill. Um, all of those things that, that really can come home to them and start to um, reach their consciousness about what it takes to live. Uh, knowing how much I'm running my air conditioner this week with this heat, I'm glad that I have levelized billing with uh, the yes. power company. <laughs> uh, one other thing that I would like to say as well is um, I think it's important for families to teach children about being generous. And so instead of spending all of their money on themselves or, or even spending and saving for themselves later, to always take a portion of their income and 
give it away and um, get your children involved in that. Help, let them help decide where that goes. And they will then begin to see it's not just all about them. Mm-hmm. We're talking about 20 things kids need to know to live financially smart lives. Where can kids learn about money in Mississippi? We'll have that for you next. You're listening to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Jimmy Stewart, Professor of Internal Medicine and Pediatrics at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. On the original Southern Remedy, we answer questions about all aspects of your health and share some of the latest medical information in the news. You can listen to the show on Wednesdays at 11 on MPB Think Radio, or you can subscribe to the podcast by searching for Southern Remedy on your preferred podcasting app. We're glad you found our show, Money Talks. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Nancy Lotter-Janderson, president of New Perspectives and Ryder Taft, portfolio manager at New Perspectives. Here's a program reminder. Tuesdays at 10 a.m., listen live to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio, always immediately following Money Talks. All of our shows uh, podcast our past episodes, and our producer, Liz Gill, is always good about digging through the archive to remind you of some uh, episodes you might want to listen back to. Money Talks has a podcast that discusses kids learning about money in Mississippi. That's from June 8th, 2021. Our guest was the president of the Mississippi Council on Economic Education. So we're finishing off our list of 20 things kids need to know to live financially smart lives. We've gotten the kid to 18, and let's see what they should know. Uh, You should use a credit card only if you can pay off the money owed in full each month. You need health insurance. It's important to save at least three months' worth of living expenses in case of emergency. And when investing, consider the risks and the annual expenses. So uh, we'll go to each of you for some final thoughts. Nancy, what about that list? Well, I would say on the credit card, um, I want to be cautious there. Typically, I want all of that paid off every month. But sometimes we call credit cards revolving credit. Sometimes people let that roll over. And I understand with some families, sometimes you have a big event. So if you do and you can't pay it all off in one month, Set up an installment plan and know that within just a few months, it will be gone. I just hate to see people with uh, Christmas of last year still hanging on when it's Christmas of this year. Christmas in July. Yes, yes. And um, we do have some breaks with health insurance because of the Affordable Care Act. So those college students can stay on their Mm -hmm. parent health insurance up to 26 years old. So that is a huge help. 
Um, a comment on uh, credit cards. Uh, recently, I flew on both uh, United and American, and they both have this thing where they've got their, their credit card, and they're giving away 8 million sky miles, and you can fly right. forever, yeah. so on and so on and so on. Well, not not that much, but it's both of them, I think, it was enough miles to have two, two round-trip <laughs> tickets. But the other thing is both of the credit cards had an annual fee, yeah. and I thought mm-hmm. that that was sort of outdated and that I mean you certainly can find a lot of credit cards that have no annual fee isn't that correct well but they they're offering those teasers to get you to sign mm-hmm. up and you're going to have to pay for part of that gift that they're giving you right and so you have to make sure that if you're going to pay that big annual fee and I do pay a fee on my Amazon <clears throat> credit card it's Amazon Prime because I use these other services and so I have to do that calculation you just have to make sure am I going to really use those tickets mm-hmm. and maybe I'll use them this year but I'm not going to use them next year so I'll cancel it next year yeah a lot of cards are still offering fees and often it's just a higher level of benefits they'll have an assortment of benefits that looks valuable and and if you look at that assortment of benefits and you say I'm actually going to get my money's worth out of that then it's 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 perfectly reasonable to pay for that the idea is usually that that assortment of benefits most people aren't going to use their, say it's a $100 fee, they're not going to use $100 worth of them. So that's how the card company will make money. It's not, it's it's a toss up whether you just want to pay for those things outright or if the benefit will actually really be a treat for you. One of the reasons I really like that you need health insurance, it sounds like you're scolding your children. They're only 18, Kevin. They they got until they're 26 unless you're kicking them off your health insurance. Is it the idea of these how do people pay for these really large things? How do we pay for medical or home emergencies? How do we pay for homes? And and so it's the first introduction. A credit card is a good financial product, but you're only moving your money, say, a month into the future. You're only pulling in next month's paychecks in today to pay for it. If you're thinking about moving money through time with a credit card. With insurance, you're moving money through years. You know, I, I, you're thinking... I may have an accident in five years that I know I won't be able to afford. I may need surgery when I'm older, and I know I won't be able to afford it. And so I use insurance at a very small cost now to help pay for that later. Just like a mortgage is saying, I know I don't have all the mortgage, all the money to buy a home today, but I could pay for it over time. So a mortgage is just a financial product that brings all of that money uh, that you're going to earn in the future, it brings all of it here today for you to buy that house. So seeing how money can move through time using financial products is very interesting. And, and it takes a little while to get, and I'm glad you're going to wait until they're 18 to tell them about that because they're going to spend a lot of years trying realizing all of the implications of that. I was over 18, but I remember one of the first times I ended up having to go to the emergency room for something. I think I was maybe through college. But anyway, what what surprised me, and I realized looking back how naive I was, but I got one bill, and I thought, okay, fine. Well, then I got another bill. I'm like, wait, 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 what's that? Oh, this is the bill for the person who came in to do this, and this is the bill for Mm -hmm. the, you know. So it was was an eye-opening thing to me to realize in any sort of health setting that there there's more than one person that that is performing performing services that need to be paid yeah. for exactly so. and no 
that um, in this country, about 80% of us get our health insurance through our employers. And even though we had this change pushing the age to 26 where you can stay on your parents' insurance, that helps a lot of new graduates or still in college who are um, working jobs that don't have health insurance. Um, but what we saw during the pandemic is that there were a lot of young people who lost their jobs. And we had cases where parents were paying their insurance premiums because they were so concerned there could be some big event and they knew that they would be on the hook for it. Yeah. And and that goes along with uh, the skill of negotiation that you learn at a young age. you got to negotiate those huge medical bills sometimes, and that's one of the roles of insurance is to negotiate those for you. But also one of the other things to remind folks at age 18, really at any age, is to save up. Have We have a kind of a rule of thumb of, say, three to six months of living expenses saved up in case of an emergency. And so that's just another way that you use some of this money you're earning now to help your future self. Always be thinking about what are the needs of my future self. And so that's similar to insurance in that we are paying a little bit every month because we have some big unknown in the future. We, we don't know what our medical costs are going to be, but we, we do expect that insurance to help cover us. And that's a similar idea with simply saving up money. It's a similar concept there. And also, I would say, uh, again, on the first credit card, uh, it's such a competitive marketplace that you should definitely shop around, look at the cards, look Absolutely. at the fees, look at uh, the interest rates, look at any some of the benefits and make the, the one that fits best for you. Because as I said, there are many, many out there, and it's a very, very competitive marketplace. All right, that's going to wrap us up for today. Money Talks is a production of MPB Think Radio, funded in part by generous support from listeners. To hear today's show or previous show, you can go to moneytalks.mpbonline.org. Or you can listen to the podcast by searching for Money Talks on your favorite podcasting app. Our show is produced by Liz Gill, and our call screener today was our intern, Charles. So for Dr. Nancy Lottridge-Anderson and Ryder Taff, I'm Kevin Farrell, inviting you to join us every Tuesday at 9 for Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. podcast.